2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. For a little bit this evening before we pray, I want to talk to us about the if factors of prayer. The if factors factors of prayer. God bless you. You may be seated. As we uh, continue our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I hope through the word of the Lord this evening to not only inspire you to pray and to continue to pray, but to also show you or remind you how to pray effective, prevailing prayers. I don't want to just pray to check a box and soothe the conscience. I want to pray prevailing prayers. I want to pray effective, engaging prayers. The Bible makes clear that if we seek his face and if we abide in him and if we pray according to his will, that God has chosen to exercise his purpose on earth through us and through our prayers. So this evening, let's take a look at these if factors of prayer. In Second Chronicles, where we read our text, Solomon had completed the construction of the temple. The temple had been dedicated with prayer, with worship and sacrifice, God's glory and presence had filled the temple. And afterwards, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And we pick up this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, in other words, God's judgment, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God promised that even if his people were in a state of disobedience, that even if they were under his judgment, that if they would humble themselves, and if they would pray, and if they would seek his face and repent, that he would hear their prayer, that he would forgive their sin, and that he would heal their land. I understand that the context of this is a national Israel setting, but I believe that God's promise to Solomon remains as applicable as ever to you and I as 21st Christians and apostolic believers. If we will seek his face, then he will hear us. He will forgive us. He will accomplish His work in this earth and specifically in this community through you and I. 
We see this promise affirmed throughout all of Scripture. We find it uh, when the Israel is in captivity in Babylon and God has told His people they're going to remain there for 70 years. And then God gives them this reassurance through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, prevailing prayer is not a complex algorithm that only spiritual nerds know how to use. Soul-saving, life-changing, miracle-releasing prayer is actually quite simple and straightforward. But it is infinitely powerful. You see, sometimes, sometimes we put ourselves in a box and we choose to improperly elevate some and say they're the prayer warrior and they're the prophet and oh I hope they pray for me and and we line up for the special elite spiritual geeks to run our prayer through the algorithm we can't figure out and give us the answer we, we want but it isn't that way that is a deception of hell. It is a deception of our own flesh. And it's not biblical. Prayer, prevailing prayer, soul-saving prayer, miracle-producing prayer is simple and it is straightforward. If we seek him, we will find him. You can find him if you will seek him. And when we seek him and when we find him, he will hear and he will answer your prayers. But the Bible's very clear as well that when we seek him, what did Jeremiah say? Or God through Jeremiah, when you seek me wholeheartedly, you see a lackadaisical relationship with God? That's not going to work. Good luck. Half-hearted commitment is a deal breaker. Carnality will sabotage your prayer because spiritual independence, apathy and doubt, they are all enemies of prayer. So it's not just because you stroll up into the throne room and you're going to casually whip your a request to the Lord and then whisk your way out happy as a lark. It doesn't quite work like that. If we seek Him with our whole heart, with all that we are, so that's why you and I, every believer, not elite believers, not special believers, not people we put a badge on and call them a prayer warrior, every believer by faith can seek God and find God when we seek Him with all of our heart, all of our will, and all of our energy. Amen. I've referenced God-pleasing faith of Hebrews 11 and 6 a lot. I think it's fundamental and foundational, and I quote it to myself often. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. 
For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is this reverent awe of God and who he is and this reverent awe that God, the creator of the universe, throws open an invitation to you and I and says, come walk with me. Come partner with me in the execution of my purpose. And when we believe that and when we truly put faith in God like that, that will produce prevailing prayer. Because if you really believe he is and you really believe he's invited you to partner with him to accomplish his will on the planet, then you will not, there's nothing that will keep you from going to God in prayer. This is the kind of genuine faith that ignites a singular desire and delight in our hearts that we just want to be in his presence. This is the kind of faith that causes us to declare and demonstrate our dependence on God through prayer. I am not independent. I am not my own. But to say, God, I am dependent upon you. I come with humility before you. I come in repentance before you. But I am seeking you with all of my heart. And in the end, when we sincerely seek the Lord, when we sincerely seek his face, God's word will always be fulfilled. That if we will, then he will hear and he will heal and he will forgive in our lives and in our church and in our city. Amen. Jesus provided further guidance for seeking the face of God when he taught uh, about a second if factor of prayer. And we find it there in those pivotal, precious, uh, final hours prayer prior to his arrest and crucifixion in John 14, John 15, and John 16. Jesus sets it up and says, let not your heart be troubled, Right? I go to prepare a place for you, that in my Father's house. That's how he starts this conversation. But in verse 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, if you really believe that, not profess it, you know, not, thank you, Jesus. But if you really believe that, I mean, doesn't that make you just want to go jump up and pray right now? Right? If you really believe that, that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says there is no limit to the possibilities of praying in his name. There's no limits. There's nothing impossible. All things are possible. But in the balance of scripture, just to make perfectly clear that his name wasn't some kind of magical potion. Right. Jesus also said this in that conversation. 
John 15 and 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. We can all be first class witnesses to that. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are born, burned. Now hear verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. There it is. You don't have to know King James English. You don't have to be poetic in your prayers. You don't have to take five minutes to say boo to prove that you are praying a long time. All, it's right there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask and it will be done. So a condition of effective prevailing prayer is are we abiding in God? Are we remaining in God? What does that mean? Well, thank you for asking because Jesus has an answer. Because he kept speaking. In verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You see, abiding with God, and we're talking about effective, prevailing prayer, the if factors of prayer. Abiding with God is not some sort of mystical experience to be found out in a desert all by yourself with a simple shawl thrown over your shoulders, starving to death. Abiding in God and His love is as simple and straightforward as obeying the Word of God day in and day out. That's what it means to abide in God and abide in His love. That's how you unlock powerful prayer. That's how you engage in effective, life-transforming prayer. You seek His face with all your heart, and you abide with him. You obey his word day after day after day. You might have 28 words in your vocabulary. You might have 2,800 words or 28,000 words in your vocabulary. It doesn't matter if you seek him with all of your heart and if you will abide with him and walk with him and obey his word. You are a powerful agent on the planet as an ambassador of God and your 
prayers are powerful. If you seek me, if you abide in me, if my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is the power of prayer that proceeds from a faith in God and a oneness with God. This is the kind of prayer that makes things happen. Amen? But as exciting as all of those truths are, the Bible still has much more to say about prayer. Because if we seek Him, and if we abide with Him, then when we pray in His name, we will pray according to His will. And that's the third if factor I want to show us tonight. Hear the words of John who recorded that last conversation that Jesus had before His arrest in John 14, 15, and 16. Now in His letter to those New Testament Christians, John says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Again, John goes right to it. There's, there's, not, there's, no, there's not even enough words to get confused over. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a deal. I can name it and claim it. Jesus is my personal Jenny. Rub the belly and, you know, babbity-boop-bop. Whatever I want. But oh, there's the Bible again. It just keeps going. And John kept writing, 1 John 3 and 22, that same verse. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him glory because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. It's like John paid attention to what Jesus said that evening, right? There it is again, but now further elaborated. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, John says, if you keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And then John writes this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Praise God. Amen? I just want to go have a prayer reading. Nevertheless, the Bible... And even our own experiences, though, teach us that our prayers aren't always answered. Not when and how I prayed them. Because there's this if factor. It's called the will of God. Now, to be sure, I and you, sometimes, we just pray selfish prayers that don't please God. And some that are just flat contrary to his will, the purpose. James said it this way in James 4 and 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
But the will of God is not just sovereign over my selfish prayers. The will of God is sovereign over all my prayers. Doesn't matter how desperate, how noble, how genuine we may feel or think our prayers are. And and this is maybe why this may be the most difficult if factor that we have to wrestle through in our prayers, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God sees what we cannot see. He knows what we cannot know. And he loves us too much to capitulate to our well-meaning but ill-advised and ill-timed prayers. He just loves us too much. And that's why as Jesus had to pray in Gethsemane, so too must we pray. Mark 14 and 36 records, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is kind of quoting scripture. All things are possible to you. There's a reference for that. We've read some of them. But you can pray scripture and use scripture to defend your prayer request. But ultimately, that prayer request has to be concluded by those powerful, difficult words. Not what I will, but what you will. This is where the proverbial rubber meets the road in our walk with God and in our prayers. Seek after the Lord and find Him. We're ready to go. Abide in Him and obey His commandments. That's another step, but we're we're, we're submitted to that. But submitting to the will of God. When I prayed my guts out and nothing happens. When the answer isn't what I asked for and it didn't come when I wanted it to, am I willing to align to the will and purpose of God and say, not my will, but your will be done. This is why it's not haphazard or accidental that the Lord's Prayer begins with reverence to God and a submission to His will because everything else that follows is subordinate to the will of God. Provision, relationships, deliverance, it all falls under that we are praying in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we do not understand where God is and we don't understand why God isn't answering our prayers by faith in who He is and by faith in who He is for, you and I have to choose to freely yield our will to His will and submit our prayers to His purpose. But when we do... 
This is our unshakable confidence that we have this confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. What a privilege. What a privilege it is that you and I get to partner with God in prayer. What a privilege that you and I get to be an instrument of God's will. What a privilege that you get to be an agent of supernatural possibility. That you get to be an avenue of the miraculous on planet earth. Soul saving, life changing, miracle releasing prayer. That if we will seek his face. And if we will abide in him. And if we will pray according to his will. Then God will exercise his purpose on this earth through you and I. That our hearts would desire and delight to pray and keep on praying hour by hour and day by day. I don't want to be spiritually independent. I don't want to be caught busy doing and forgetting that the most powerful thing I can do in the universe is to set it all aside and to simply say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm seeking your faith. It might be with a few words. It might be with a lot of words, but I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you in faith. I'm coming to you obedient to your word. I'm coming to you with humility. And I submit God to the sovereign will of God. And now I'm praying your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen. (laughs) To this end, listen to David's powerful song in Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house or the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple or presence. For He will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in His sanctuary He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come, And talk with me. And my heart responds. Lord I am coming. Lord my heart 
has heard you say, come. Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. 